Hey, ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm your host, Jared Weich. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. I think I'm done Elden Blinging. Ooh, can't wait to hear that at the end of the show. It's interesting. I am not close to Elden Blinging. Uh, episode 245, got a lot to talk about. We're on a bit of a hiatus there, but we're good. Uh, we're back. You're from a fresh vacation in Arizona, right? You went to Arizona? Yeah. yeah nice weather. Really sunny. Good times. Praise that sun, too. Yeah. I, I love that about, uh, like, just temperatures and stuff and people's different perspectives. Because, like, for me, I'd never want to go to Arizona. I hate the heat with the passion. It's partially just because, like, I generate so much heat myself that I, I'm I'm a warm person just functioning that I don't want to go somewhere hot. But Arizona's cool because it's one of those places where, like, because it's so hot, they functionally have a lot of places to cool you down. It's kind of they, they're built mm-hmm. that way, which is nice. Um, I've only been there once with my dad, like way back then, but, uh, it's an interesting state. It's surrounded by a lot of, uh, left leaning states, but it's very right, which has always fascinated me. It's kind of like its own thing. Um, pretty interesting. Yeah. We were, we were in Scottsdale. So like it was, you know, big time on golf courses and, uh, it seemed like a lot of older people kind of, how is, is Scottsdale close to Flagstaff? I'm not sure about Flagstaff, but it, I don't know, it's probably 20 minutes from Phoenix. Okay. Yeah, because I can only name a couple of Arizona cities. There's like Mesa, Flagstaff, uh, Phoenix, and there's only a handful. It's one of those states, too, where like, I think partially like New Mexico, because a lot of people only really know Albuquerque, right, because of Breaking Bad and stuff. Yeah. Like, a lot of people don't know the other. Maybe they know Santa Fe because of like the Santa Fe Trail, I'd assume. Like, most other places, people outside of the state don't know. Arizona's kind of the same way. There's, like, three or four cities that most people know and then yeah. nothing else, which is always interesting. Um, let's hop into the news. Uh, some interesting stuff to talk about. Since we didn't record for a couple of weeks, we are going to be talking about the Bethesda delays, which are pretty near and dear to, obviously, both of us. Um, so I wanted to talk about that and what they mean for both Xbox, us individually, in terms of what we're excited for. Uh, we both came with our top five most anticipated games for the rest of the year. And as we talked about before, pretty hard to put together a list of five games. Obviously, Starfield would have been on there for both of us. Redfall possibly as well. And we'll get to uh, those not being in 2022 anymore. Let's start off with something that I've been waiting for, Dom, which is, you know, Final Fantasy VII Remake Director Tetsuya Nomura said that Square Enix will be making various announcements next month in June regarding the original game's 25th anniversary. Now, most people are like, oh, I hope he announces something to do with the second part to the remake. Like, are we getting a tease? Are we getting an idea of, you know, maybe we get a look at, like, some kind of, you know, video, uh, graphics demonstration, anything, really, just the announcement that it exists. And I'm sitting over here like, is this game ever coming to Xbox? Like, it had a year exclusivity. That finished. We don't know if, like, PlayStation doubled down to keep it that way or what's going on. I've been waiting for this game to come over. I know you didn't enjoy it as much as I did, but I enjoyed it enough that I wanted to play it again on Xbox and get the achievements and go through it because I did have a good time with it. Um, I'm just wondering if it's ever going to come to Xbox at this point. Um, because I don't know if you remember on the box art even, it had like uh, a date on it, right? It was originally a year from when it was originally supposed to came out, and then it got delayed to April, I believe, of the year it came out. And it was like, a, you know, exclusive for this amount of time. Am I just am I giving myself false thing. hope that we're going to hear anything about Xbox? Or do you think this is just like a Final Fantasy thing where we're going to make announcements, but it really has nothing to do with anything? I want to say that, yeah, we should hear soon that it's going to come to Xbox. 
there's so many Xboxes out there, and like that's a lot of sales they're leaving on the table, and it would be new entirely um, this remake to all the Xbox owners. So like, you know, you're giving up maybe another you know million or two sales or something or whatever it would be. Um, so I don't, I just really want to know what the deal is, because yeah, we all assume that as soon as that time was up that you know that year of exclusivity or whatever it was that was paid for like we'd see it on other platforms but we just haven't so i it's this is like a mystery um it's like hard to make any speculation or presumptions really at this point so i'm kind of leaning towards maybe it just won't ever happen and instead we're going to hear some more about the next (laughs) the next part in the series which feels odd but that's what people seem to be clamoring for i don't know it's it's interesting the real bummer would be if they announce it for Xbox, but it's not the integrated version with the you know the post-launch DLC, and it's just like the base version. So then we have to wait even longer for yeah. that to come to Xbox. Um, my hope is it's both. My hope is that uh, they celebrate with Xbox via announcing that it's coming to that platform, but then the PlayStation part of it is that PlayStation gets to unveil, you know, the part two of it. Um, because for Final Fantasy, from Square Enix's perspective, that's a double down on marketing where not only do you get to get people who own it on PlayStation excited for the sequel, people on Xbox, not only will they finally get the game, they're also going to get excited for the sequel too, even if they have to wait for a timed exclusive to run out. So it could be a double dip there for them. Obviously, the that Xbox event sense. is happening next month, so maybe they partner there and we see it on June 12th for Xbox's event. That'd be really cool. I think that'd pop really well at that event too. And from Square Enix's perspective as well, I don't think they've announced their event. And obviously with PlayStation, we never know. It could be in August, July, June. We just don't know. So there, there is a bit of a chance. I just don't want to give myself false hope and then we wait again. Yeah. Because uh, it's reaching the territory now where I don't... It's getting less effective to where if it ever does come, if I'll actually care. Because I'm still in the, in the moment of like, I want to play through it again. I want to get the achievements. I don't know if that's going to last because by the time it does come, then it's like, oh, I'm already over it, whatever. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, speaking of another remake that I'm pretty sure both of us are interested in, and I've actually, I have something to say about this regarding my original thoughts when we first talked about it when it was unveiled. Um, but Game uh, Games Beats Jeff Grubb reports that the game of, uh, the game being The Last of Us remake, is expected to release during holiday 2022. Now, originally when we talked about this, we had the whole conversation of, it's kind of weird to remake a game that's only a generation old. I mean, technically two, but you know, um, that's weird. It doesn't make sense. But lately, I've come around since the last time we talked about it of if this game is a remake and it takes a lot of The Last of Us 2 mechanics and that engine and the movement and the all of that, the body physics, I'm really down with that because <clears throat> as great as The Last of Us is, I think playing The Last of Us Part 2 shows a lot of the shortcomings of that game being older. It's, it's still a great game, but, like, obviously Naughty Dog as a developer improved in a lot of their systems. So I'd be down to play it again, and I'd actually be excited. Um, it is interesting, though. I wonder what the price point would be for this. I'm assuming it would be 60 but I have come around on it. Before, I was kind of like, eh, I don't even know if I'm interested in that. But the idea of it being a remake and not a remaster of them, like, overhauling everything. And a neat idea I heard, Dom, is that maybe at the end of the game, spoilers for The Last of Us, skip a couple of seconds if they add Abby into the end of the game in like a cameo to kind of tie it all together, I think that'd be pretty interesting too. Uh, try to c- kind of connect them more, which I don't think would take a p- away from the last of us as a game, you know, just add a little bit more connective tissue there. Well, now that we know and continuing with spoilers for the last of us 
one and two really now that we know that that was her dad at who was you know in that operating room at the end of the first game um and she was a child not like what uh in the other room or down the hall or something or i can't remember exactly where um certainly in the in the vicinity you know that would be a really easy you know way to like oh yeah just to point that out um yeah more like a cameo like you said so yeah that that could make sense and I don't know if it was also Grub or someone else that was trustworthy, or maybe it was just bullshit. But mentioning that, like, it looks really, really good, and then when when you see it, you'll then you'll understand why they remade it, even though it seems odd. So that's that gives me a little hope. If hopefully there was some truth to that, you know, basically to say that if it's pro- like as I assume, like just PS5 only, right? That it's. I mean, we haven't had. Other than Demon Souls, have we had like a Sony first party PS5 exclusive yet? I'm thinking Forbidden West Re- wasn't. Uh, what was, was the cool. roguelike that came out? That was right. Was that first Re- Returnal? That's first party because they own yeah. them now. Technically, they bought them. Mark, yeah. Uh, Mark, what's their name? House, House Mark. Mark. House Mark. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, not, I've not played Returnal, but like. House mark to like what Naughty Dog might do, like, a, a, like a triple, like a big triple A, quadruple A, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then even like uh, we'll probably talk about Ragnarok some more, but even that's going to be on um, PS4 also. So like, I I see I could see some potential now. The more I think about it, this could look really really good. It would it be my first choice of what I would want a first party Sony studio working on right now? No, but if it does look really really good, am I going to play it? and probably stupidly spend $70 on it. Yeah. Who am I well, kidding? And with the current situation with Xbox, which we'll get into later, and PlayStation, which we'll also get into, there's like a void right now in the fall, and that's a, that'd be a great exactly. place for it to exist as well because it's like, well, normally in a packed fall, I don't know if it'd be the first thing I gravitate to with limited options. Hell yeah, I'd probably want to play a remake if it's to the extent of all these rumors, right? So... We'll see. We we haven't even factored in factions either. Like, is that going to play a role this fall either? Right. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing, because uh, it was a little bit light on news, and I wanted to talk about another subject here. I made my own personal list, and I want to see how how interesting these are to you or not, Dom. I made the list of the top ten franchises and or licenses I want to see this generation of video games. So these are properties that exist outside of video games that I just want to see video games in like triple a high quality video game experiences in okay the f- i'll go i'll go 10 to 1 number 10 i'll explain this with we have so many asymmetrical multiplayer games these days and we have like a lot of horror games that are built in that genre of the asymmetrical you know four survivors one killer um i've actually recently played dead by daylight which we'll talk about at the end of the show honestly I want something in the Cabin in the Woods universe. I really like that concept. And I think that would work in an asymmetrical multiplayer fashion where you have the survivors and then the other person is controlling, spoilers for that movie, kind of the hub and sending out certain creatures based on the survivors people pick, their weaknesses or their fears, right? I think that'd be really fun. And I think it's an untapped place where... We got that single movie. People loved it. It, it, I don't think it did too well at the box office, but critically, people liked what it did for the horror genre because it kind of turned things on its head, um, barring like the last 10 minutes of that movie that are like completely bonkers and turn it again on its head. Um, but I think it'd be really fun. And obviously, Cabin in the Woods isn't a huge property, but I think even the name alone, if you haven't seen the movie, 
kind of gives the horror vibes to where if they see gameplay or a trailer for it, people will understand what it is, you know? It would do a good job of not necessarily marketing it based on name recognition, but yeah, like helping explain how it works. You're right. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think it'd be cool because there's a risk reward of, you know, your survivor, you pick them. Oh, they're really good at, let's say they're really fast, but their weakness is they have arachnophobia. So as the person on the other side, well, I can summon these spiders. They may not work for all their survivors, but I know I can kind of try to pick off this person, limit their speed and come after them with their fear that maybe gives them like a debuff, right? I think all of that stuff would be really cool. Um, and I do think Cabin in the Woods is untapped. I'm glad they haven't done like a bunch of sequels to it, but it's a property that I think people haven't uh, given the love it deserves fully. Uh, number nine, uh, this is because I've been watching the show recently for the first time. I was told that it's one of the best animated shows. It only ran for two seasons. It was canceled early, but it works really well. And the story it tells in terms of unveiling a mystery is really good. And that's Gravity Falls. I don't know if you've ever heard of Gravity Falls. It's made by a game named Alex Hirsch. Basically, the plot of the show is these two kids go uh, for their summer vacation. They go to stay with their uncle in the middle of the woods in this northwest town. And a bunch of supernatural, paranormal stuff happens that's kind of unexplained. And the, the two kids are twins, a boy and a girl. And one of them finds a book that kind of somebody wrote way back when of how to deal with all of these paranormal, supernatural things. And as the show progresses, you there's an overarching mystery regarding the uncle that they're staying with that kind of comes to light. And it's really good. It kind of works well as both a Creature of the Week cartoon as well as a really good single story. I'm it's total 40 episodes. I'm currently on episode 35, so episode 15 is season 2. I'm really loving it. It's really good. Um I think it'd work as a really nice like Castlevania or Metroidvania game. Um something more indie than AAA obviously, but the world is really cool and if anybody's interested in watching a fun animated show, I'd highly suggest it. It's really good. It's on Disney Plus. Uh next up, number 8 this one's kind of a cop-out, but not really. Lord of the Rings. We've obviously gotten the uh, the two monolith games that were... I mean, they took the lore of Lord of the Rings, but they weren't actually, like, canon, necessarily. Um, but I want something more substantial. Because, like, sure, those games were, like, AAA, but in my opinion, they weren't as attached to the core of the Lord of the Rings as I'd want a game to be, I guess. I don't know. Um, that was kind of hard to explain. Obviously, we've gotten Lord of the Rings games, plenty of them, but I just want it back in a real, like, strong, tangible way. Get what I'm saying? Yeah, that's. I think that's a fair, a fair ask. And there's so much you can do, obviously, with that world in a video game. There's a lot of different ways you could take it. And, and for that being said, I'm not exactly looking forward to that Gollum game that's coming out. Oh God, so maybe. Yeah. Maybe some directions aren't great, but maybe that'll surprise us too. Yeah. Uh, next maybe. up. Fans of any of the Souls games will will understand this one, and you could argue that we've kind of already gotten that with the Dark Souls trilogy. But I want something said in the world of Berserk, uh, preferably from From Software. They've used a lot of it to inspire the games they've made. Just give them the license already. They're huge fans of the series. It doesn't have to fall necessarily guts, but that world is so rich with its own darkness and twisted fantasy that I just want Berserk to get some shine. Um, we talked about this before, Dom. Anime property games just aren't high quality. Outside of like Dragon Ball Fighters, which is from Arc System Works, the fighting game, a lot of them are like double A, low budget games. Mm -hmm. And it's not the developer's fault necessarily because they have to work with the budget they're given, but they're all 
you know what I'm saying. When I say an anime game, people know exactly what it is. It's a game that's probably going to score between a 65 and a 75 at best, and they're just not that great. We need some, like, substantial anime games, and Berserk is a place. I mean, I'll throw Dragon Ball Z in with it, too. We just need something of more substance. Um, next up, number six, The Boys. Have you watched this show on Amazon? Ah, I'm glad you bring it up. So I watched the first two episodes, and... I'm really into it. I was actually literally as you were going through the first couple of your picks here, this came to mind, but I thought to myself, I don't really know how that would work. But again, I've only seen the first two episodes in which the protagonist is powerless and the way he's going about his business is uh not exactly like <laughs> conducive to a video game. Now obviously if you get to play as one of the heroes or something. Heroes, quote unquote. But I'm curious your take. So I don't want to spoil anything for you, so this is kind of talk around it, but yeah, the main character, Huey, isn't powered, but I do think there's a way in which that works where it could be a team a team kind of thing where it's turn-based. It could be, speaking of Final Fantasy VII Remake, the thing I loved about that game is the combat system in which you can flip through characters, and maybe Huey is a support character, right, where he aids the guys, and when you want to switch to do actual damage, you'd switch to one of those characters. I mean, also, it doesn't have to have Huey at the core. It could have one of the other characters because right. as the show goes on and people who know the comics and stuff, the world is a rich, fully realized world where you can make things be happening in other parts of the country. Um, the one thing I want to add, too, is after you finish The Boys, there's the animated series Diabolical, which is totally worth watching. It's an anthology series where they got uh, different animation studios to do each episode and has a bunch of people, like celebrities, directing and starring in them. And the last episode of it is canon to the live action show. Definitely worth a watch. Really good. Um. I didn't know you were watching that. That's exciting. The Boys is great. Yeah, just uh, just recently started it. Something else we both recently watched, 5, Dune. Now, we got this like a Civilization-esque uh, strategy game called Dune Spice Wars, which is like whatever. When I talk about wanting a game in the Dune universe, I want an open-world RPG. Um, I've never read the book. Uh, I never watched the 1980s movie. The, the only thing I've ever had a, as a touchdown to it is the recently... Uh, released uh, Denny Villeneuve movie, which you also watched. I just love the world building. It, I told you in, when you were asking if you should watch it, it gives me Lord of the Ring vibes in that it's a it's a huge epic. Uh, obviously, it's already likely going to be a trilogy. I just love the characters. It They do such a good job of introducing you to concepts that um, at, at the front are kind of hard to understand, and then slowly you're like, oh, I get it now. Like the shields, yeah. um, the spice in general, the sandworms, all of it. Um, so I, I want an open world game or to some extent, maybe not even open world, but a triple A game in this universe. Yeah. I, I had thought of that too. Um, I agree with you. Like, like that movie, it was really cool. And even like some stuff I didn't fully grasp, I'm have to do some Googling and try to like catch up. Like, so what was going on here? What do they mean by this? Um, cause there was like a lot of like world building of like explaining stuff in that movie. A lot of exposition. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, it's you got to pay attention and stuff, but I I think that shit's cool and it like gets you excited about like it, I don't know when it works when they do it well like they did it kind of gets you invested and in, you want to be in it for more than one movie. But for a game, I'm wondering too. Um, do they like? Because in the movie they're on this one planet the whole time. So the right? book and series is multiple books, stuff taking place before the events of that movie, stuff taking place after the events. And there are there's a lot of stuff that happens off of that specific planet as well. Because I was looking think, into that too. Because okay. I was like, I don't know if this is all insular <laughs> or what's yeah. going on. But yeah, it's it's an actual like universe. 
Um, and the cool thing is they don't really fully explain this in the movie, but it's something I found out is the reason they don't have like the high tech of like a Star Wars or something is that basically they reached a point where AI advanced so much that it was taking over humans. So they basically eliminated the use of like electronic technology, which is super fascinating. That's like a, why a lot of their stuff mm -hmm. is either like the weird magic or it's like pressure based and stuff like that. It's, it's really fascinating. Um, and I do think that, you know, you're talking about how it's exposition heavy and it's very dense. And that's why I don't think it's for everybody. Just like Lord of the Rings isn't necessarily for everybody, but a video game could kind of be that middle ground too, where it's a lot more accessible. Yeah. Uh, and I just think the world in general fits the video game vibe of people being interested in playing a video game. If it's done right. Um, I think it could be as strong as like an elder scrolls or, you know, something like that. But Bethesda RPG, like, Bethesda making a Dune game, I'd be stoked for, but who knows how close Starfield will be to that. We'll see. Um, but yeah, Dune. Uh, next up, I don't know if this is a show you've watched, Invincible. Yes, I have. Yeah. It's kind of goes hand in hand with the boys a little bit of like, I love all the Marvel games and DC games we get, but it's video games and you can make superheroes out of anything. And I think these, the both boys and in Invincible are properties that can have a little bit more grit and edge to them and they can make superhero video games for an older audience uh and i think the tough thing with invincible though is it has such a specific art style the show lends itself from the comics that i don't know how well that'll translate um but yeah i just i, I love that universe and maybe you can tie them both together of like i just want more mature superhero games and i'd love if it's invincible and the boys you know yeah this one i could really see i was thinking about it too because like you know rated m right like i want to like rip some dudes in half and do crazy shit and like it's gory and like weird um but you're right the art style might be hard to uh make it work i would have thought the same thing about those south park games though but they made that shit work really really well this would be different faster paced and things like that but i think it could be that could be really cool and it narrative wise or structure wise you it doesn't even necessarily have to be an rpg this could be like a linear game and you could or an action adventure kind of game and you could literally feel like at least through this first season i'm like you could kind of follow along and like as you're because you're get you're building experience and gaining strength and stuff and then like obviously the twist of you know who this villain is there's probably even more to it in further seasons that i don't know about yet but i don't know this this could be really cool i'd be excited about about that i don't know if the property would be big enough to ever get the funding kind of a thing but man this that would be really cool yeah i mean as if the if the amazon show continues to be successful uh, there's also a live action movie in the works. I don't know if you knew about that. It's uh, being produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. That combination have done a lot of stuff. Uh, they did um, the because they did the boys Di diabolical, right? Or at least uh, Seth Rogen did. Yeah, they also I think produced part of the boys as well, and they also did Preacher on AMC. They do a lot of stuff that is like pretty well established as people enjoying, it, and they know how to adapt comic to uh, the screen. So I'm I'm excited for that. Uh, next on, this is a bit of a curveball, and luckily we have the announcement that it is coming, but I want it sooner than later. NCAA football. I just want those games back. It's a, <laughs> it's a bummer that yeah. they went away. I'm glad that the NIL is now in place. And uh, the interesting thing is, I, I'm assuming you haven't followed it, Dom, but there's conferences where there's this issue happening where like eight of the 12 schools are like, yeah, sure, the guys can get paid for being in the game. And some schools are like, nah, that's where we draw the line. We're not going to let them accept. So basically some schools are not, I guess going to be in NCAA football is it, it's very weird. 
I think by the end of it, they'll all come around because they'll see the money coming in. And I guarantee you that not only are the student athletes going to get paid for the licensing, these colleges, because that's how colleges are in the United States. They're for profit. They're going to be like, well, yeah, we'll let you use the branding of our university, but we also want a cut of that more than previous years, you know? So I just wanted to come back. My big worry though, is the thing that happened with Madden and FIFA and a lot of EA sports games where the focus went towards the collectible card modes because that's what generates the most profit, right? Billions of dollars. I'm worried that NCAA football comes back, and even though it was known for being the mecca for the franchise mode, for dynasty mode, they're going to divert their efforts to making sure that the ultimate team in NCAA football is uh, the strength and the core of what they develop. And they have way more lineage to go back on than Madden even does to some extent because you have all these college football players that you can have individual cards for and stuff. And um, yeah, that's one of the thing I'm worried about, but I do want it to return in some aspect because college football games play differently than Madden. And uh, I just want it back, man. I just want it back. You and a lot of people. The mascot mode alone is fun. You get to play as a bunch of the same mascot from university. It's great. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, number two, we've talked about this plenty. Um, game of Thrones. Where are my Game of Thrones AAA games? Right? We had the one Telltale game that I thought was pretty cool. It's kind of neat how it actually had a, it wove a story through the show, actually, kind of uh, with, you know, you interact with some of the show's characters, but you were, you know, uh, controlling a separate house uh, that somehow it fits without even being mentioned in the show. But um, people didn't love that overall. But yeah, I, there's obviously a lot more you could do. Uh, infinite more you could do kind of like with dune um and with obviously like like lord of the rings there's so many ways you could take it so um, for sure for sure with you on this especially as like we start to kind of get the hype wheels spinning again with this targaryen show that they're about to kick off that i have like not a whole ton of confidence in but i'm certainly gonna be there to check it out when it goes but yeah i'd be curious like if someone could pull off a cool game in that world i'd be into it the fact that the two dudes who wrote uh, the original Game of Thrones, well, not the original, obviously it was George R. R. Martin, but like the original show, the fact that they're not attached in any capacity actually has me excited for this, uh, and that George R. R. Martin is back working with them on the show, because that could easily turn sour, right, of like the end of the original Game of Thrones show was not received well, obviously, and George R. R. Martin could have been like, nah, I'm not going to really, you guys can license it, sure, but I'm not going to work with you guys. But the fact that he came back to work with them so closely, I think... In my opinion, I'd assume that he probably talked with the writers to begin with and got a sense of like, oh, are these people's intentions in the right place, right? So I'm interested in it. Um, we'll see what happens, obviously. But yeah, it's like you can pile a bunch of these together, like Lord of the Rings, Dune, Game of Thrones. I just want AAA games in these. Like, I love getting Star Wars games, but like dip into these other places too and deliver some great stuff because there's a lot to work Absolutely. with there. And number one... The game I want more than anything, Dom. More than anything. Can you guess the property? I'll give you a hint, because I always uh, said super vague. Animated. Anything ringing a bell. Huh. It might be something you haven't watched, because I don't actually know if you've watched the show. Um, anime? Or, or just animated? It's technically an American cartoon, because it was made by an American animation studio, but most people consider it an anime 
Yeah, see that? I don't know. Because I, I wanted to say Attack on Titan, but I don't know if that qualifies. Attack on Titan would be dope uh, for a AAA <laughs> game. I didn't actually put that on my list. Um, I'll, What's my other hint? Outside of Dragon Ball Evolution, this has what most people consider the worst adapted anime movie of all time. Is that ringing any bells? The worst? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Well, I don't know. Is it like Death Note? It shares. That's a good one. It shares the same main title as the James Cameron franchise that just released a new trailer. Oh, Avatar for sure. For yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have got that. Avatar: The Last Airbender. Cool. Yeah, Yeah. just let me create my own bender. Let me choose what I bend, and give me an open world RPG or even a linear RPG where I build on my skills, give me a dope combat system. That's all I want, you know? And kind of the gameplay level design kind of fits itself where, you know, part of the game you go against, you know, fire wielders, then you go against water wielders, uh, and then you go against uh, earth benders. You can't really go against air benders unless you put it in the past, I guess, or in the future, <laughs> wherever you want to put it in the timeline. But I think that'd be cool. Um, and with an RPG, you can make it to where certain parts of the story are different based on the bending class you choose and you could also make it where different um communities of benders treat you differently based on your class right so obviously if you're a firebender and you're coming through like a firebending community they'll treat you a lot more positively than if you were like a waterbender or something and maybe they do this in a lot of rpgs your class uh basically makes it so you start in a certain region of the game uh which would be cool I don't know. There's a lot of stuff you could work with with the Avatar franchise. It's super beloved. I think it would sell really well. The last Avatar game we got was that one that was lauded as the easiest thousand gamer score of all time. I don't know if you remember that. The Xbox Live Arcade game. It's like three minutes to get a thousand gamer score where you just mash the A button for five minutes or something. Very crazy. But yeah, Avatar The Last Enterbender. So I'm going to run through them real quick again. Cabin in the Woods, Gravity Falls, Lord of the Rings, Berserk, The Boys, Dune, Invincible, NCAA Football, Game of Thrones, and Avatar The Last Airbender. And we'll throw in uh, Attack on Time, because that's a good call, too. <laughs> yeah, um, that could be good. That'd I'd be also cool. throw in like a Cowboy Bebop game, uh, but I don't know if you're familiar with Cowboy Bebop. Uh, anything else you think would be? Because obviously there's some stuff here know. that you connect with, like The Boys and Dune. The funny thing was, was one of the ideas that popped in my head was like, Oh, it'd be cool if they made a show based in the world of Arcane. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Oh. Or made, if they made a game based yeah. in the world of Arcane. Like, wait a minute. That show was based on a game. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, I guess more a, a AAA first me. or third person game, right? As opposed to like a uh, MOBA. Yeah. yeah. We That's also possible, though, because the uh, Riot's making a bunch of different games in a bunch of genres. You have like the fighting game coming out in the next couple of years. There's the card right. game they released, Legends of Runeterra. So that one is actually possible, which is dope. Uh, well, that is funny, though. A game in the world of Arcane. Oh, wait. <laughs> that exists. Just having... Well, yeah, and I, I can't be the only one who really liked that show but had zero connection otherwise to any of the uh, League of Legends games or whatever. Um, and so in my head, I'm like, oh, that was such a cool world, and there's like cool magic and, and different types of weapons using the magic and all sorts of cool stuff. Like, um, You could do so much with that. Like, oh, well, no shit. That, <laughs> that's not a coincidence. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many properties. My biggest gripe, though, is with anime in general. Like, 
I think anime properties get treated the worst in the video game realm because they don't get the budgets and I think it's like a hesitancy and then also a lot of them being Eastern developed. Um, I just think the anime games need like a renaissance because we don't get enough high quality ones when there's so many like dope properties people love like Dragon Ball and Hunter Hunter and Attack on Titan and you know Avatar even though it's not technically an anime. There's like a lot of these franchises that just don't get the love man. Like where's my where's a make a Yu-Gi-Oh game that isn't a card deck builder? Like where's that? Um <laughs> I mean honestly the best anime games we get are the Pokemon games. You know, that's kind of where it's at is like those are like generally the most consistent of any anime. Um but obviously you don't really think of Pokemon as an anime. Is there is there not like a a card like deck building Pokemon game available on mobile? I don't know. I mean, there's the... So whenever you buy a pack of Pokemon cards, you get this card in the back that gives you, like, a code, and you can enter that into the Pokemon TCG game that's on PC. I don't know if there's a mobile game equivalent. Obviously, they have a bunch of mobile games where, like, you train Pokemon, there's Pokemon Go and stuff like that, but I don't know if there's a deck builder for mobile. I'd assume so, but, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. that just makes so much sense, right, where you actually are collecting them, and and then you... Yeah, that... I don't know. I don't know if it's on mobile. I know there's a PC version of it, but yeah, who knows? Uh, next up, let's talk about Bethesda's uh, delay of Starfield and Redfall. So on their official Twitter account, Bethesda posted the following message. I'm going to read it. We've made the decision to delay the launches of Redfall and Starfield to the first half of 2023. The teams at Arcane Austin, working on Redfall, and Bethesda Game Studios, working on Starfield, have incredible ambitions for their games, and we want to ensure that you receive the best, most polished versions of them. We want to thank everyone for their excitement for Redfall and Starfield. The energy is a huge part of what inspires all of us every day and drives our own excitement for what we are creating. While I'm reading this last bit, Dom, can you find that Jason Trier tweet in regards to Cyberpunk? I forgot to pull that up. Uh, We can't wait to share our first deep dive into the gameplay for both Redfall and Starfield soon. Thank you for your support. So before we talk about the delay, that's the first thing I want to mention is that they said they're going to share gameplay for both soon which to me means they're still going to show them at the June 12th event, right? Which I'm excited about because my biggest worry with this delay was like, yeah, sure, not playing the game this year sucks, but I'd rather have the game be its best. I still wanted to see what these games look like in action, and I was worried that they might delay that in conjunction with the delay because now there's a more of a buffer between the release, right? I'm thankful that we're still going to see gameplay. Uh, did, did you happen to find it? I did. So in response to the tweet about uh, Redfall and Starfield being delayed, Jason Schreier said, Last spring before E3, I spoke to some folks on Starfield who were extremely worried about committing to an 11-11-2022 date based on the progress they'd made so far. Quote, next cyberpunk was the term floated. Good on Bethesda for delaying even after announcing the specific date. So <laughs> even the people working at Bethesda um, seemed like they didn't want to succumb to the same, you know, kind of demise. Um, that sounds really terrible cyberpunk was an okay game but obviously that how you want to launch to go but yeah yeah it's it's it is a bummer obviously whenever a game that you're excited for gets delayed is a bummer and we were hoping and praying that we got to play starfield this year we won't um but there's a bunch of conversation that come off of this um i guess we can start first with just the simple fact of them being delayed Dom, obviously you know it's gonna they were gonna be better games for it but how did you initially take the delay because i was i personally was bummed i was like ah dang it yeah, I was pretty bummed too because then I had started to spin the wheels of what we ultimately put a list together uh, just today of like, so what is coming out the rest of this year that I'm looking forward to? And like, like, yeah, there's not all that much anymore. Um, 
<laughs> so I was pretty bummed out too. But like everything, it's you know, it's I'd rather them I'd rather this than it come out looking like Cyberpunk, right? Um, and it's hard to it's a hard pill to swallow when like we can't see the progress and we don't know that that's gonna happen and we just would like to say well just make it better you know just whatever like but obviously you could i mean i think your best point of criticism like we are like we've talked about so many delays but like maybe they shouldn't have announced the date so early i don't know but it's just become such an accepted thing and there's not really there's not it doesn't feel like there's really um repercussions or consequences for delaying your game like at least you know one or two times it seems like everyone is allowed to do that there's no really there's well at least no the big triple a's right like indies i think it's a lot more devastating based on like when yeah, then you have to release sense. it do you have an open slate the marketing budget like i think that's a whole yeah. different ballpark but yeah triple a's Cause yeah because you're thinking six months yeah say you're an indie studio six months of you know paying everyone's salaries or whatever without the revenue for the game like that that alone can be big and every all your other costs too so but yeah for bigger companies it's um less problematic unless it's like yeah then you can start to get into that conversation of like you take the broader scope of like well like like we started to do well what does microsoft have now to fill out the rest of this year and like how does everyone else stack up against that and what does the entire landscape look like um that kind of stuff too which is it can be interesting so and bethesda uh has the additional pressure of you know, I think most of the industry has the pressure of cyberpunk, right? But they have the additional pressure of Fallout 76. So it's like, it's yes. a double pressure yeah. now. Um, and to say that that didn't affect them, I think would be a wholesale lie because it, I definitely think it did. I mean, a, a lot of the Bethesda studios outside of Arcane, I think are in a weird place where they kind of have to deliver, maybe not have to deliver, but I think they want to get back to form. I mean, we, we talk about id Software, right? They're on a huge run with the Wolfenstein games and then they release, I always forget the name of it, Young blood. Young blood. Young blood. It should be called Young Dud because it was a dud. And uh, now they're making Indiana Jones and presumably Wolfenstein Three. And you know they're in a place too where they want to deliver what people are accustomed to seeing. And for all of the, we talk about this too. For all of the flack that Bethesda gets for buggy launches and all of this stuff, they do truly innovate every time they release a new Fallout. Maybe not Fallout, but especially Elder Scrolls. They they innovate to a large extent, and uh, this is a whole new place for them with sci-fi. And yeah, I'm I'm totally fine with them delaying. The Starfield one was surprising. The Redfall Redfall one wasn't solely because right. we literally haven't seen anything of that game. And you could say, oh, yeah, we haven't seen much of Starfield, but like, I don't know. Giving a release date to a game a year in advance and it being Bethesda, I'm like, yeah, Starfield. I'm pretty confident that it'll come out. With Redfall, it's like. This is Arcane's like side game. They haven't really seen much. They have Deathloop still coming out on Xbox this year. Like, totally fine. So, uh, this delay removes two huge Xbox platform exclusives for 2022 and has fans wondering what the company has up its sleeve to bolster uh, the platform for both console sales as well as Game Pass subscription adoption. Here are some possible workaround solutions to their current situation that I thought of, okay? The first category is surprise fall releases. These are games that don't have fall releases, but could come out of nowhere. And personally, I wouldn't be too surprised to some extent. The first one is the most unlikely, but I do think there is a slight chance, and that's Hellblade 2. Um, because it all depends on what the scope of this game is in terms of the length of it. Um, I could totally see this being an end-of-year release title. We got that cool demonstration at... Was it in Game Awards? Was it the Game Awards? 
I think it was the Game Awards. Yeah. I mean, I think this is very possible. Um, the first game was not as is linear, and it was the levels are not like large. Um, not to say that it didn't take a ton of work to make that, but like, and I don't know. I think it was like a ten to fifteen hour game. So depending on how much bigger, you know, how like you said, what the scope is of the sequel, and how long they've been working on it, of course, and whatever else. But like, I think it's very possible that this still, you know, comes out this year. They because they didn't announce any date at all, not even any window of a year or anything, right? No, I don't think so. Um, and the thing too with this game is, I think a big bulking part of that first the development of the first game was getting the mocap right right because obviously that's like a huge crucial part of the game and obviously the audio design as well and with those in place obviously they've tweaked them to make them better over the years i think the development cycle might not be as drastic with the first game to the second game kind of like what we'll talk about obviously we've got like god of war ragnarok right um so yeah i, I think it's possible as well uh, next up this is a rumor that got floated out there that apparently xbox is working on a master chief collection but for gears of war i don't know if you saw this this was reported by Xbox Era and then corroborated by a bunch of other outlets. They could totally see this game. I guess it's roughly estimated to come out this holiday. So whatever you would call, you know, the Gears of War collection, maybe it's like the COG collection or something uh, for like uh, maybe remasters of the Gears of War franchise to some extent. Mm, this is an interesting one. I hadn't thought of that. I think most of it makes sense, but thinking back to how much trouble they had with, with the, the master chief collection yeah. master chief i'm wondering if maybe like they've just learned enough and they know what they're doing enough that it's just easier but my my hesitation is like would it be worth all the trouble uh to get all the gears multiplayer from all the different gears games like art like would those be popular enough specifically the multiplayer to be worth all that work to them that'd be my question i'm not and sure we're also maybe assuming it that it would include multiplayer maybe it doesn't maybe that's the exactly. thing right is it's just all the campaigns yeah. <laughs> and maybe they uh, yep. they only have one multiplayer where maybe it includes some maps from all the games but it's one multiplayer portal maybe is the workaround mm -hmm. there uh next up yeah, that th feels more realistic this is uh, something we talked about like a month ago when we went over what are they working on for xbox as a whole right minus bethesda is uh or sorry minus activision i believe i don't know i think we excluded bethesda as well uh pentiment do you remember this so this is obsidian's disco elysium inspired uh crpg oh from the right. director yeah. of fallout new vegas josh sawyer uh mm -hmm. that was rumored to be able to come out this year as well obviously wouldn't have the splash of a true triple a game but still would be something for the game pass portfolio right so that's totally possible as well uh, i believe it took place like in the 16th century and you were like solving murders and stuff and like i don't know if it was europe in general or if it was like london uh but it was really cool when we read about it um next up another one that's more of a niche title uh but still could bolster the lineup forza motorsport we've talked about that uh that's not confirmed to release this fall but it seems like it'll be going that way and then lastly like an unknown publishing partnership they might have partnered with a, a studio to make a game they're gonna you know announce it at the june 12th event and then it comes out this fall we just never know right so We'll see there. Could be uh, Play Dead's next game, since we haven't seen that in a long time. Maybe they partner with Somerville, Jump Ship's game. You never know. Uh, next up, the next category, uh, and the only other category, Xbox Game Pass Partnerships, because obviously they want to bolster, like I said, the Game Pass subscription adoption. They could totally use maybe some of their marketing budget they were planning to use this fall and use that money to get something day one Game Pass that wasn't originally going to, right? And the three games that I have here that are the most possible, um, I mean, they will, uh, are Gotham Knights, 
Saints Row, and a Plague Tale Requiem. Um, a Plague Tale Requiem was obviously showcased at an Xbox event. Uh, that one, I think, could already be possibly launching into Xbox Game Pass on day one. I'm not sure. Um, but they could partner with it and make it like an Xbox title in terms of marketing and all of that and kind of push it as their game. Um, Saints Row is a reboot of the series. I don't know what their projections are in terms of how well that game is going to sell this fall. They could be somebody who's looking to partner with Xbox and get it on Game Pass to get that player base. Same thing with Gotham Knights. Uh, that recent gameplay was kind of divisive online. Like There was a portion of the audience that was excited about it, and then there was a portion of the audience that was like, yeah, this combat looks rough. Like It's floaty. It's weird. Why do these gear menus look like a mobile game? Mm-hmm. That could be it one too. To huh? It felt I was in that I was in that camp. I was like, I don't know. This doesn't look like super fun and polished, but um, we'll see. You know? Yeah, and you know, I wonder if this is something I don't know if we've touched on with Game Pass. I wonder if companies look at their pre-order numbers and they kind of dictate whether or not they're willing to partner with a subscription service or do stuff like that if the pre-order numbers are lower than their expectations. And WB has been in a weird place the last couple of years with their game development where I could totally see them partnering too. You know, uh, Hogwarts Legacy is partnered with PlayStation in terms of marketing. Maybe they partner with Gotham Knights and it comes day one to Game Pass, which would be huge. Because, um, yeah, you can say oh, it's a, you know it's the Batman franchise. That's too big for them to put it on Game Pass. But it's Gotham Knights. Like, it's not a Batman. It's a Batman game, but it's not a Batman game, you know? And I mean, if if my, I mean, if the money's there, like sometimes if you make the right offer, then no, nope, that's there you go. That exactly. Yeah. Where normally it could be just it's just Microsoft we're talking about. They could, you know, Daddy Phil could pull out the checkbook. But also consider like you mentioned day one, but like it could be big titles come to Game Pass that aren't day one. I mean, think if um, I wouldn't bet on this, but like maybe Elden Ring comes to Game Pass in, in the fall. Like there could be ga- other games that have already come out this year that would make a big splash coming into Game Pass that otherwise might not have been planned, right? Um, even Gotham Knights, but maybe it's like a month after release. That feels less likely. But that kind of thing, maybe something, uh, what else came out this year? You know, uh, That's where I'm going with this. But other big titles that maybe not aren't, aren't day one, but still can make a big Game, pot, game Pass splash. That's a game Pass splash, say that 10 times fast. Yeah. Uh, now we're going to talk about our top five, top five most anticipated games. The way it's going to work is we're going to go back and forth, Dom. But if I mention a game that's on your list, you can just shoot right into the conversation and vice versa, okay? So I'll go first. The first one, and like we said before, it's pretty barren in terms of release dates we know about for the rest of the year. So it's kind of tough finding stuff. And honestly, a couple of my games aren't technically confirmed for 2022. They're just like loosely assumed. Um, but yeah, it's just what we're working with. You got you to you do, do your best with what you're working with. First up for me, Dom, The Quarry or the quarry, however you pronounce the word, for the mining shaft. Uh, this is Supermassive Games, the next game. It's their first true follow-up to Until Dawn. We've obviously had the Dark Pictures Anthology, which are smaller games of varying quality, none of them to the quality of Until Dawn. But this is their next big project. It looks super exciting. It's bringing back a lot of the systems people love from Until Dawn, tweaking a lot of them as well. There's even a mode to play this as if it's a movie where you don't actually interact with the gameplay, which is fascinating. Um, obviously you're much more of a horror enthusiast than me. Did this make your list? It did. My list isn't necessarily in order, but it, yeah, it's towards the top or towards the bottom, I guess. Um, yeah, cause it's only, it comes out next month, which is sick. Um, and it only got announced like a month ago. I'm, I'm really excited for this. Honestly, 
um this was an easy one to put in my top five i'm looking forward to it so i'll have a lot of fun with it i, I like these kinds of games even the the campiness and even some of the crappier and uh, dark picture anthology games like i really enjoyed so i'm looking forward to this a lot they're like telltale in that they feel this specific genre of games that i enjoy they may not sell the best they may not be critically acclaimed all the time but they're just experiences i love they're comfort food they're like video game comfort food right so mm -hmm. yeah exciting stuff and yeah you're right this game was recently announced and it's coming out and um it's two days before the xbox event which is interesting it's on june 10th uh oh fun yeah a nice little weekend there to hop into it yeah um next up i guess you're you're next up now what's your next one uh so my five was gonna be gotham knights wow this is on your most anticipated I okay i obviously a huge batman fan but that gameplay reveal and everything i don't know if that turned you off honestly like it yeah i was I, i'm less excited for it after that gameplay than i was before <laughs> right um but again with starfield out um it was kind of easier for some other games to get slotted in here um and i still like i don't know anything about court of owls and even though that gameplay turned me off a little bit there's still time for some things to get tweaked and smoothed out um of development but mostly like i think this there could still be a really cool story here um it might also be dumb as hell. Uh, you know, what are the chances this game gets delayed? I think strong. That's my <laughs> other hesitation. I think there's a good chance that it gets delayed. Maybe it, maybe it's only like a month or two, and it still makes it like in in November or something. But I think it's just as likely that it gets pushed to February or something. <laughs> anyway. So we'll see. Yeah, imagine if all the WB games get delayed, like Hogwarts Legacy gets delayed. This we already have Suicide Squad being delayed. Yikes. Um, and that's why I kind of I worry like they'll make sure it doesn't get delayed at the cost of quality. Yeah, they'll, like force it out, and that's what I that's a worry I have. The good thing for us is a lot of companies don't work on calendar year; they work on fiscal year. So maybe they just try to fit them all between the beginning of next year and the end of that fiscal year, which would be like March or April, uh, maybe. Which I would prefer as opposed to them like forcing us, you know, a square box through a circle hole. We'll see. Uh, one game I know won't get delayed because they never get delayed. Uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. This is a Gen 9. This mm -hmm. is coming out this fall. Uh, super excited for this. It's using the same basically setup for Pokemon Legends Arceus. Obviously, a new generation is always exciting. You get to see a bunch of new Pokemon. There's rumors that this is going to have a lot of new Pokemon like Gen 5 did because Gen 5, which is Pokemon Black and White, was so special because it was the first time we got 150 new Pokemon since the original. Uh, and actually didn't let you catch any older Pokemon until you finish the game, which was also great because it had you learn all these new Pokemon as opposed to, you, everyone does this. You start a new Pokemon game, I'm going to try to get this Pokemon from the past. I loved this Pokemon, and it kind of limits you to falling in love with the newer Pokemon, and you kind of become jaded, right? You have your favorites. Uh, I hope they kind of do this with this one. It doesn't seem like that because it's more, obviously more open world, but super fascinated by it. I'm, I want to see the... The graphics progression from Pokemon Legends Arceus to this, I don't think it'll be drastic because it's still the Pokemon, it's still the Nintendo Switch, but I want to see the lessons they implement into a mainline game because uh, it's going to be huge, and uh, we'll see what happens, and I, I, I can't wait. New Pokemon is always good, and the starters are have me hype, so that's my second one. I was I was certain this would, that they would make your list. <laughs> um, so I'm getting into a territory here. So next, this didn't, this wasn't originally on my list, but as of late, I pushed it in, and that's this Last of Us remake. Um, if it 
uh, get out of here. I'm trying to check my list here. Um, if it is like, you know, a proper remake and not just, you know, we're, it's in a higher resolution now kind of a thing and like a remaster, then, then I'm more excited. And then like you mentioned, like if it plays more like the last of us part two and, you know, took a lot of those, um, not necessarily mechanics, but like, I don't know, fun, you know what I'm saying? If it feels just more polished like that and more modern, then, uh, like I said, this is something I'll probably really be into. Played the original several times through and the remastered one on PS4. But um, as of right now, and it's in the top five for me, potentially. So uh, that could change if it, you know, if the scope isn't quite what I'm anticipating. But throw in, you know, factions and then I'm really in business, right? So hopefully that's something, something additional like that in here, too. I think mine will work as a nice transition because I technically cheated. So I have The Last of Us remake on mine as well. But I actually paired it with God of War Ragnarok because I don't think both of these games release this fall. I think it's one or the other. I, I just don't see that happening personally. So whatever one of those releases this fall is the one I'm most anticipating. So I kind of paired them together. I kind of go with everything you're saying. Obviously, Last of Us Remake is dependent on how big of a jump that is and does it justify its existence, which I, I assume it does based on Naughty Dog's pedigree. And then God of War Ragnarok obviously is also based on what the first game established and I don't really have to go into why I'm excited for that game either. Um, but yeah, so I kind of cheated and put them together. I'm, did you have God of War Ragnarok on your list as a separate entry? Yeah, so that's okay. my most anticipated. Um, so I'm skipping one here, but based on like, I had a little bit of renewed faith from some stuff Jeff Grubb was saying that it still might come out this year. In my heart, or rather in the depths of my brain, I don't actually believe it will, but still, there's still a glimmer of hope that it comes out this year. And then it's obviously an easy number one or most anticipated if it does. Yeah. It's currently sitting as my number one. I'll, I'll jump to that. And I have two left. Uh, my number one is Cuphead Delicious Last Course. Uh, oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Shoot. So that comes out next month, I believe, in June. Uh, the DLC, which is obviously they call it Delicious Last Course. Uh, can't wait for it. If you haven't played Cuphead, go play it. I'm actually thinking about once I finish up a couple of the games I've been playing, I'm going to try to go through a replay of it and maybe not necessarily to completion, but just to get like comfortable with the game again uh, in anticipation for the last course, because obviously Cuphead is no easy game and I don't want to go in, uh, you know, dry, not remembering stuff and kind of be fluid with the controls by the time it does. So yeah, uh, would it have made your list if you remembered it? Honestly, yeah, I might have booted Gotham Knights. Um but you know what? I'll go it's kind of a cheat too, because it's kind of an expansion. I don't know if you'll actually be able to buy it standalone or DLC. If, it's one of those things where Cuphead will be re rebranded Cuphead, the delicious last course, and it'll just have all of it, you know? So it's kind of one of those okay, things. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, that's a good one though. Good catch. Um, no, my number two was then uh, Forspoken, which is I think in October. Recently got October delayed. Release. Yeah, from July or June yeah. to October. Yeah. Um. This is another one where I'm like, I don't know, it it, it could go bad, but I'm curious It's because it's a new IP. I really like, like the vibe of this main character. I think she, she seems cool, and there's dragons, and the movement looks really cool, so it's kind of got me feeling a little different of, you know, than Elden Ring, which is big open world, but you're it's not like a super mobile superhero type of um, traversal, so whereas Forspoken feels like you're kind of like zipping around. Um, kind of anime style sort of vibe like a like an infamous or a spider-man kind of traversal thing where like it's super fast-paced um 
So maybe this doesn't tr- come out all that well, but knowing that Gary Whitta is one of the writers, that gives me some hope. So we'll see. But for right now, again, with Starfield off the list and and me not remembering Cuphead, you know, we get games like Forspoken, you know, slipping their way in. And I, re- I, I do have high hopes for this, but um, but I'm also realistic. So we'll see how it comes out. Honestly, I think the success of the reviews are going to depend on how strong the actual gameplay of it is because I think regardless of how well written the dialogue is, I think it's going to be divisive with the reviewers simply yeah. because it's modern. It's a modern character speaking in old fantasy and that either hits with somebody or it doesn't regardless of how yeah. well written it is. It either comes off as cringy or like, I, I like this vibe. Um, yeah, this is like the ultimate risk in terms of like... Uh, I don't know who has yeah. it in our fantasy critics league. We'll be going over our our you know half year check in in the coming weeks, but it's it's a risky pick in terms of that. But it's one of those games you want to have hope in because it is for having a AAA budget. It does feel different, like you said, with the the anime like traversal of it. It, it feels like its own thing. So we'll see what happens there. I'm surprised I made your list though. But like you said, slim pickings, not a whole lot to choose from. And speaking of slim pickings, this is honestly a game I think probably gets delayed. Uh, it's set to come out, I think, December 8th of 2022, and that's Stalker 2. This is a game that came out of oh, nowhere yeah. for me. This reveal was absolutely gorgeous. It gives me, obviously, Metro vibes, the the Metro series, Metro Exodus, Metro 2033. Um, I was really impressed with the graphics of this game. Uh, obviously, it's in first-person perspective. The first Stalker is really beloved by people. Like, people absolutely love that PC game. This is the the franchise's first entry into console gaming and i really hope it has the elder scrolls trajectory because a lot of people forget that morrowind was the first one to come to console and obviously i'm not comparing the two i'm not saying stalker 2 is going to be morrowind or anything but i do think whenever we see these companies come to console for the first time and since they're partnering with xbox i'm assuming they have a kind of a road into the developer toolkit and that's why this game looks as good as it does um I'm just excited for this because anytime we can hop into as much as we were talking about those franchises and licenses, I want to see games from that. We love Dom. It's the new stuff too. That excites me of, I've never played stalker. I have no idea what's going on. Put me into that world. It's kind of similar to avowed with obsidian where that's going to be based in the path of exile uh, world. Me and you have little to no touchstone to that. Obviously people love those games, but give me a way to enter that world and let me fall in love with it. And stalker Two really impressed me. And uh, that game could really hit. Uh, honorable mention, um, I don't know if you're, you've seen this game, Dom, Scorn, which is I think is launching on Xbox exclusively first. Oh, it's finally coming out. Yeah, which is the first person H.R. Uh, Geiger-inspired horror game. Obviously, if you're familiar with the Aliens franchise, you know his design style or Predator. Um, that was probably an honorable mention. Other than that, like, it's slim pickings, man. Like, if NCAA football was guaranteed to come out this year, that'd be on my most anticipated. Just because, like I mentioned earlier, it's a series I want to return so badly. But, like, you know, a pipe dream we could have had is the new Star Wars Jedi game, but Grub kind of revealed that's already slated for 2023. So that didn't make my list. There was no chance of that happening. And then it's a lot of games, honestly, that don't have release dates secured that I could be interested in if there's enough there. I mean, the toughest one is Hogwarts Legacy. Like, so much of that game I'm into, but it's everything surrounding uh, mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling that has it's a tough pill to swallow, honestly. I'm looking at some other games here that are set to release that uh, are set for 2022, but I don't have a date. 
Plague Tale Requiem would be near my list if that was a little bit more confirmed, obviously. Um, Mario plus Rabbids sparks a hope, honestly, because the first one was a surprise, and I think the second one, from what we've seen, looks cool. Um, other than that, uh, what's the core game from the people who made Dead Space? The Callisto Protocol? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's from the guy The guy who worked at... Uh, what's the studio that made Dead Space? Visceral? Uh, David yeah. something? I can't. Sorry, I can't remember his name. They're making the Callisto Protocol, which weirdly takes place in the PUBG universe, but that's like kind of irrelevant. I don't even know why that, they include that. But it, it's pretty much them taking on the Dead Space franchise and turning the horror up to 11. So um, that's something that'd be, that'd be dope that I'd be excited about if that was coming out this year. Um, other than that, a lot of the games, Dead Space remakes, like we just, I just mentioned, is already slated for 2023. Uh, right. Star Wars Jedi, Alan Wake 2, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, which who knows about that. Um, there's just a lot of stuff we're, we don't know about. A lot, so there's some uh, indie games too, Dom, that are slated for 2022 that don't have dates. Sea of Stars, which are from the Messenger developers, I'm super excited about that, but we don't have a date. Somerville, which I mentioned earlier, we have no date. Um, do you remember Atomic Heart? Yep. Yeah, it's yep. the very weird Fallout. Is like I can think the best way to describe yeah. it. Yeah. Um, replaced. Do you remember that one? That's the Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. yeah, that game looks sick. No date on that. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff, but it's just like, I, I guess I kind of cheated, obviously, with The Last of Us and God of War, but those are like AAA. It's a completely different conversation. We'll, well see. At least God of War, they said. 2022. 2022. Yeah, exactly. I guess so. I'm taking my personal bias into it. of like, yeah, it's definitely yeah. not coming out, but <laughs> we'll see. And honestly, by the end of next month, I think we might have a completely different list, or at least half of it could change based on the announcements we see, right? So right. We'll see what happens. It'd be good to compare after E3 month. Uh, let's talk about what we've been playing. Uh, I don't have too much to say. So I've played a little bit of Elden Ring, not a whole lot. And it's not because I'm like uh, tired of it or anything. It's just I've been balancing so many games I've been interested in. And I'll mention those real quickly. Uh, so I've been playing Elden Ring here and there. Very spotty, probably the least of all of these. I've played a little bit of De Dead by Daylight because my play group were really interested in it. It's on Game Pass. That game is super popular still. It's kind of like the Rainbow Six of asymmetrical multiplayer where people just play it nonstop. It's fun. It's okay. Uh, it's still janky for a game that released like five years ago. I'm surprised at how janky it is. Um, the microtransactions in that game are kind of crazy too in terms of like buying all the killers and survivors and stuff. I didn't know you could play as like, you can play an entire Resident Evil game in that game, Dom, where you have like Jack and Jill uh, and like a bunch of Resident Evil characters and then somebody can play as like Nemesis. Uh, so it's basically you're playing a Resident Evil multiplayer game, which is funny. Uh, two of my other friends, I convinced them to play Overcooked 2 with me, and that's been a blast. Uh, you learn a lot about friend dynamics in a game like that, where I've come to realize, and this isn't shocking to me, but I'm very much the, the, the leader in the friend group. So I kind of dictate like, I'll handle this, you handle this, you handle this, and let's get things going. You slice the tomatoes, you boil the potatoes. Exactly. I'll deliver plates and clean them. Uh, yeah. I kind of figure out what would work best for the group, figure out one of my friends handles stress terribly, so he gets, like, the least stressful job in every level, uh, <laughs> which is fun. Um, and then uh, the one I've been playing the most, um, Rogue Legacy 2. Oh, really? You're getting into that? I okay. cannot okay, stop playing this game. I've played, I think, like, 20 hours of this game over the last couple two and a half weeks since we've recorded it's super fun 
Rogue Legacy, I never got to play because I believe it always was a PlayStation exclusive. I don't know if it ever came to other platforms. Maybe by the time it did, it was years it, and years later. I just know it was on the Vita. That's all. I yeah. Know. So I heard so many good things about this game. Uh, I hopped in, and obviously it's a roguelike, but it's also I'm I'm I wouldn't say a Metroidvania to the full extent because it's obviously procedurally generated and you don't really unlock things fully. But there are powers you have to get to unlock specific areas. There's six main bosses that you have to defeat to unlock the final boss. I've beaten four of the six. The classes are cool. I love the different character traits you get, both positively and negatively. Um, they're so varied in terms of what they do. Obviously, you have like IBS, which makes you fart randomly. You have the uh, <laughs> the peaceful protester class, which you can't do any damage, but you get like 150% more gold. Um, I love any game where you can go in and kind of figure out what class works best for me. I love the nuances of it of like, oh, so the barbarian who has an axe, all of his ground attacks are critical hits. Meaning when you play as that class, you want to find the relics that improve your critical hit chance, right? So not only are you picking your class and then basing the traits on how you play that class, it also dictates what relics you want to go for. And it makes you experiment and figure out new things. And the thing I love about this game is it entices you to want to pick up items or choose classes you haven't with traits you haven't seen before because it tells you play this class to find out and you're always curious of like why does this give me a hundred plus percent gold like how bad actually is this trait can i work with it um like one of the bad traits is uh exploding death or something where every enemy you kill turns into an exploding bottle which to some people that might be scary it's like i don't know how to avoid that every time i kill somebody but if you're a class where you can kill from range, it really doesn't matter because that bottle will never hit you, right? So it's that kind of um, play style change through the classes that I really enjoy. The upgrade tree is cool, uh, where you kind of can go in any direction based on whatever upgrade you buy to unlocks more of them as you're building this castle in the background. And it unlocks a bunch of new classes. I'm really surprised at how much I love this game, and it's super addicting. It's like, I'll just do one more run. Oh, I have 30 minutes before I have to do something. I can get a run of Rogue Legacy 2 in. Having a blast with it. Um, I'm near the end. Like I said, I'm at four of the six main bosses done. I love how the difficulty scales. I love how you can attack the different bosses in any order you want, though. They kind of they kind of tease you in a way of like, this is great at this difficulty. This is great at this difficulty. So you have an understanding, but it isn't forced to you that you have to go one way or another. Um, because like some of the... There's areas down where you have to find these special boots and unlock them to be able to jump high enough to get to some of the later game areas. But if you get the perk that lets you fly at the cost of you taking more damage, you can go to that area with that class and that trait, right? So there's workarounds to that stuff too um, that kind of dictates your skill level as well. Having a blast with it. I think it's 20 bucks. Easiest 20 bucks I've ever spent. It's so addicting. It's so good. It's probably going to be in my top five game of the year. I don't know, obviously, where it'll shake out. Might be near, near the top. But I was expecting to go in and at least enjoy it and get my 20 bucks out of it. I'm, like, in love with the game. <laughs> it's so good. Interesting. So, on my side, I'm glad that you did that, and I'm glad you brought that up because, I, 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 I mean, as usual, I played a bunch of Elden Ring. I beat. The, I mean, I finished the game technically three times um, via saves coming, but nonetheless... Did you beat Millennia? 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 Yes. I beat, I'm not going to say every boss, but certainly all the, you know. The prime players. Yeah. (laughs) The big dogs. Um, Oof, oof. uh, 
still gotta I, I i'll probably eventually one day kick up another playthrough or a new game plus and i only like after you go like because i i i tried to avoid like looking stuff up this first playthrough um but like as i got like as i finished one and i'm like okay i gotta like go through and get the other endings and i'm starting then i'm starting to look up everything right and i'm like wow i missed a lot of npc quests like a lot of them um and some cool stuff that comes along with them uh some stuff you can go back and get even in the same playthrough though but some stuff you obviously lock yourself out of um if you progress too much but yeah um i think i i I'm not, i must have cracked 100 hours um which is like on the lower end of what i've seen some people say they've you know a playthrough in some people got up to like closer to 150 that's um, crazy to me on one playthrough but, that's insane and i feel like i did a lot i feel like i explored most areas like pretty thoroughly i'm i'm, I'm at like 75 hours and i feel the same way obviously there's areas i haven't gone to yet but it's like 150 hours but we also have to take into account this isn't our first rodeo too so how many of those people it's their first yes. souls game you know what i mean so and honestly like a lot of like this game is so much easier um than basically all the other from software games is my conclusion just being able to summon even like the the regular not even i'm not even talking about the mimic tier which is in a lot of cases very overpowered but even like the regular uh summon ashes like when you get into the like a lot of areas in souls games or from games um just where there's like standard several enemies or whatever like some tough areas like that summon a couple dudes and like the difficulty is like it's just totally it's a totally different ball game when like the level is no longer it, you know it's designed to make it difficult for one person one player controlled but like as soon as you have people helping you out it's like uh, it's a totally different thing it feels um, like they heard all the complaints about give me difficulty levels and like here here's your difficulty levels like you know you can really summon this you can do this or you can go it alone and it kind of dictates the difficulty yeah I, I think like they absolutely this is absolutely how they addressed it because if you of course to start out it's going to be tough until you start to gather up some of these resources and and and, and especially if you use magic and then the summons too like there's just take some time to get to a point where like that starts to become more effective. But by the end game, like you're pretty much trucking through things at will. Um, you know, a lot of the bosses, like I, I try to keep myself honest. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna just summon a bunch of boys for this one. I'm going to give it a couple tries, but I mean, I'm certainly not going to sit here anymore and like pound my head for like 50 tries on a boss when like, why I can just use the mechanic that's right there in the game. I don't even have to look anything up. It's not some cheese strategy. I got a YouTube or whatever. It's like, no, I'll just use the summon, like summon my, my, uh, mad pumpkin head or like my, um, my Lieutenant of the Archer or whatever the heck. They're so, and they're so fun too. How there's so many of them and they're each their own characters. They're, some of them are more nameless, like, um, you know, Stormvale soldiers. Or well, and then also but like the fact that you can really respec cool. your character at any point too. Right. Oh, yeah. Also makes it easier because yep. you're like, oh, I don't like the way th my playthrough is going. Let me change it up. So, because what else that does? Because you do get a ton of resources, and that allows you to upgrade different weapons to experiment with different weapons a lot more. But then the respecting your character is what really enables that. Because in order to use most weapons, you know, you got to have certain stats, and so to be able to do that, like those resources you need to respec are plenty, and the process is straightforward. It's you know, after you beat one of the main bosses it's right there in front of you and they explain it really well like this yeah so we, we've talked so much about Elden ring but this is kind of like more concluding thoughts for me but it, it it just did more in terms of like the world and exploration and everything um 
than probably any other FromSoft game. It felt very much like the first time you play um, Skyrim or your first Elder Scrolls game or your first Fallout. Um, very much like that. But that's to someone who has played all those RPGs already and it still somehow made it feel like doing that all over again with all that good FromSoft stuff I love too. So like, it just had a lot going for it, obviously. Um, we are going to record uh, a spoil- a separate spoiler cast in the coming oh, weeks yeah. when I finish it because I definitely want to do that. We might have a guest. It might just be me and Dom, but it's definitely in the cards. I want to do that for sure. Yeah, and I'm going to dig into I, what I've not done yet is like dig in and read up more about all the lore that I, you know, or the quests you miss or all that stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but yeah, with, but now I'm like kind of like I'm not sure what to do next. I'm like, yeah, Salt and Sacrifice, Horizon Forbidden West. I don't know. Rogue Legacy too, man. Rogue Legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm thinking that might be it. That might be it because also with it being 20 bucks i think obviously you never want to waste money but i think it's an easier pill to swallow let me hop in and see if i like it and knowing your gaming tendencies dom i'm pretty sure you're gonna like it i don't know if you'll fall in love with it the same way i do because you never know with people but i definitely think it'll be worth your time and money to check it out definitely mm-hmm. one of the year's best and based on how many games yeah. get delayed that <laughs> it might continue to stay that way i want to share my dumb moment of the week with Elden ring because i consider myself a pretty intelligent individual Pretty good vocabulary, no, you know, but I don't know if you're familiar with this whole thing of like, especially with me being somebody who's an avid reader, there's often times where I'll read a word for the first time, never hear anybody ta- say the word in, you know, while speaking because it's like just a word people don't use all that frequently. And uh, you just find out that you mispronounce it wrong, right? So dumb in Elden Ring, there are these specific places, they're little circles on the map where you can go into there, teleport to another world, and fight a boss in there. They're kind of like sub-bosses, mm. really. Now, mm-hmm. I always thought that it was pronounced Evergall, but I called it Evergoal because it's just a dumb thing, switch the letters, whatever, right? Do you know how that word is actually pronounced? No. The funny thing is, I like read them too fast, and the first thing that came to my head was Exegol, like from Star Wars. Yeah. So that's just what I called them. I knew I was wrong, but that's just what it was in my head. But now, how do you actually pronounce it? So the word is spelled E-V-E-R-G-A-O-L, right? So I thought it was Evergall. I called it Evergoal because it's just whatever. I found out that G-A-O-L is the original English spelling of the word jail, which totally makes sense why it would be called Everjail because those people are trapped. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense now. Yeah, so Everjail. Oh. Yeah, and I was like, oh, nice. all right. Uh, and I've seen that word spelled in, because obviously I read like fantasy books or stuff, and I, I, I always called that Gaul. I was like, what, is, what the hell is Gaul? But obviously context clues, I was like, I guess that's a different word for like a cell or like a imprisonment. And I never drew the line of like, oh, no, that's how they could have spelled jail, because it doesn't make any sense to me that G-A-O-L would be jail. Yeah. I would never have known. Yeah, so Everjail. For all of you listening, impress your friends. And if you're telling them about the Everjail, <laughs> call it an Everjail. So, yeah. Always good to learn new things, though. You know, can't know everything. And that Vigo Mortensen actually broke his foot on the helmet. <laughs> Damn. Uh, there's a TikTok. I don't know if you've seen it where the girl's like, the girl's like, I've dated, you know, 10 plus dudes in my life. And all of the ones that are interested in Lord of the Rings, they always share this fact when we watch it. And it's, yeah. it just cuts yeah. to somebody else of a TikTok of like the girl sitting there watching Lord of the Rings and the guy turns and he's like, did you know it's the funniest thing? <laughs> it's really, it's like, oh, it's so cringy, but like oh, clockwork. Man. It's so funny. 
Um, yeah, so hopefully I finish uh, Elden Ring in the coming week too because I want to get that spoiler cast done. Um, how do you feel about what do you do? You think you're going to get to Forbidden West? Do you think that'll be a while? I don't know, man. Like I really want to. Yeah. I watched some gameplay recently. I'm like, ah, this looks so beautiful. Um, Chris uh, Nunes told us a few things. Like, hey, eh, it sort of falls flat at the end, and like, you know, still really good, but maybe not like top tier. But I loved, loved, loved the first one, and loved the gameplay of it in the world, and and how everything looked, and so. I I know I'm gonna love it. It's just like it's expensive for one. So like like you said, Rogue, Rogue Legacy for twenty bucks is sounding a little bit better. Even Salt and Sacrifice for twenty bucks is sounding better, maybe for at least a hot minute. But we got time now. This is backlog season. Um, you smell it in the air. Smell that. <laughs> backlog season. We're on the hunt on the backlog. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then that news oh, that we we'll didn't see. talk about that the Witcher uh, next-gen update is supposed to come out Q4 of this year. I've been waiting to hop into The Witcher 3 again for the first time, and hopefully that hits by the end of the year. To be totally honest, I read that, and I, I that's what I was trying to remember when I was creating this list. I would have put that in my top five anticipated issue. Next-gen Witcher up. 3? Yeah. Yeah, that should be cool. Uh, Yeah, the person who... What's the really popular quest that people love from Witcher 3? Uh, Blood and Wine. Yeah, uh, the person who wrote that is writing the new fantasy game from the developers of uh, Dying Light 2. You see that Techland's making a fantasy RPG. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the yeah. person writing it is a person who wrote Blood and Wine. So that's really exciting as well. Plenty of game stuff to look forward to. Uh, in the coming weeks, like I said, we're going to be, hopefully, uh, Chris Nunes, uh, you know, often third host of the show. Uh, we're going to be doing our mid-year uh, Fantasy Critics League check-in. And then in a separate episode, we're going to be doing our uh, mid-year check-in for, like, predictions and stuff. Maybe that'll be the same episode. And then we're also going to be doing, uh, before the Xbox presentation, kind of our predictions for both Xbox Bethesda Showcase and then Summer Game Fest in general. Uh, so look forward to that. Glad to be back. Glad to be in the fold. And uh, hopefully I can finish Elden Ring. I, it's a game that keeps on going. It's not a bad thing, but it's just like, okay, here's another area. Here's another area. So... We'll see what happens there. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye.